0: From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Dr. Alexander Nicolesco is a psychiatry professor at Indiana University who is board certified in psychiatry and neurology and who is an expert in precision medicine in psychiatry or precision psychiatry. He's visiting the Upstate campus to give a lecture on this topic and he agreed to speak with us. Thank you for being here.
1: Good to be with you.
0: Well, I read your personal statement on the Indiana University website where you talk about wanting for the future to be able to diagnose and treat patients in an individual fashion based on their profile of genes, biomarkers, and quantitative phenotypic data. So can you explain what are biomarkers?
1: Yeah. These are all sort of big words and technical terms, but it's really very simple. We are aiming in psychiatry to um, do things um, similarly to other uh, fields of medicine, like cardiology or cancer. So nowadays in those fields, you have the ability to get um, some genetic testing that can inform your treatment, uh, what would be the best drug to use. And um, you're able to assess their clinical Um, symptoms in a more quantitative fashion. That's what we call the sort of phenotype or the phenomics. So we want to be more precise and uh, want to be able to um, personalize treatment and uh, target uh, whatever an individual has as opposed to broadly treating their diagnostic label.
0: So biomarkers sometimes in those other fields you mentioned is through blood tests and Mm -hmm. things like that? Yeah, so So,
1: uh, biomarkers are essentially uh, biological changes that can be measured. Um, In the case of the work that we're doing, uh, we are looking at um, molecules in the blood that indicate uh, which genes are more active or more silent. Um, We're looking at gene expression levels.
0: So then you have to know which genes go with which disorder, right?
1: Right, right. That's a very good point. So there's a lot of discovery work and validation done prior to narrowing down the list of suspects and having a panel that's validated, a a small panel of markers. So uh, it takes years to uh, identify and then validate the biomarkers and have them uh, ready for uh, clinical use.
0: Do we have some um, in the psychiatric realm that have already been identified and are pretty solidly linked to a particular gene or
1: yes the the short answer is yes the long answer is uh, we're not as far along as for example cancer in the sense that uh, while we're starting to have uh, well- validated and reproduced biomarkers in the research realm we haven't yet made the leap to Uh, having them actually be used in clinical practice and commercialized and so on. So those are things that uh, we're working very hard to make happen over the next uh, few years.
0: So it sounds like we're just sort of on the cusp of that sort of... Exploding. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, a, it's a very exciting time. It uh, sort of reminds me of um, some countries who sort of went from no, having no phones to uh, leapfrogging landlines and having cell phones. Wow, okay. Same <laughs> so psychiatry, we went from having no tests to the possibility of having very modern and contemporary tests on par um, on the cutting edge.
0: Well, I guess in all of medicine, but in psychiatry especially, um, I think patients are you know, have a, develop a one-on-one relationship uh-huh. with the doctor-patient uh-huh. relationship, and they may already feel like this is very individualized to uh-huh. them to uh-huh. begin with, uh-huh. but this is sort of a whole new level, right?
1: It, it adds a level of objectivity, because uh, even for experienced clinicians, and I, I myself see patients, um, even for experienced clinicians, it um, it is very helpful to have something objective, to have something that can... Um, uh, inform your uh, diagnosis in terms of levels of severity and to be able to track treatment in an objective fashion to see who's responding to medications or to therapy to see how well they're responding if you need to change treatment and so on.
0: Wow sort of more of the science than a, you
1: know. yeah so um, you know evidence-based medicine.
0: Okay so how would how would this work? Would everyone um before i mean if you're going looking into the future a little bit would everyone who needs an appointment with a psychiatrist first have like a genetic test done or a profile or
1: yeah so the way it might work is first you would uh, get uh, a better more comprehensive um clinical assessment and uh, nowadays these things can be done through a screen right so we've developed apps that um capture a variety of symptoms, some of them you can do, uh, you would do in the waiting room uh, while you wait to be seen by your clinician. Some of them you can have um, on the phone at home and you can track your symptoms and then bring them with you to the appointment so you can see how uh, your symptoms were in between appointments. So it starts with a more precise uh, clinical phenotypic assessments. After that, um, The clinician would see you, and then they would uh, perhaps order some um, lab tests. Uh, And then based on those um, lab tests, they would initiate a treatment that would fit you, and uh, you would come back um, in a few weeks for additional lab tests to see how well you're responding to the treatment.
0: And by treatment, do we mean medication usually? Both,
1: medications and... um, Um, counseling, therapy, lifestyle changes, Um, there's interesting work that shows that uh, some of the biomarkers that we identified are not only targets of medications, but they also respond to um, lifestyle changes um, and to counseling.
0: Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of validates those...
1: Those interventions, yeah. yeah. There's there's nothing I think sort of mysterious about those interventions. It's just uh, they they are good solid um, um, interventions that uh, modify how your brain uh, works. So they are as powerful as medications and should be used in conjunction with medications.
0: Interesting. Well, can can you give me some examples of how a particular patient or a particular diagnosis may be treated? now or a few mm-hmm. years back yeah. um, as opposed to how it would be treated near near in the future yeah
1: well even now um, you know um, it's not routine that you get a, a, a quantitative clinical assessment with uh, questionnaires or apps at the time of appointment and in between uh, and especially tracking in between appointments how somebody feels and thinks so that information we're not capturing it and it can be done very easily nowadays. Then you know you see the patient, you may have your um, clinical expertise, you go through the sets of criteria for diagnosing somebody, you might have um, pattern recognition skills as an experienced clinician, but still you don't have something objective that you can order a lab test that it can that can help in an objective fashion with your assessment. And then based on your clinical assessment, you start a medication or a combination of medications, But um, again, you're doing it uh, in a um, less than precise fashion because you're you haven't maybe thoroughly diagnosed and subtyped the patients, and you have you don't have a way of objectively following their response to treatment. Um, so there, there's a lot of room for improvement, and um, it doesn't mean that nowadays we're not doing our best to treat patients and we're not having a lot of success, but. I think uh, we can um, expect even more success in the future as we implement some of these tools.
0: Well, interesting. I've got some more questions, but first, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Alexander Nicolesco. Uh, he's a professor of psychiatry at Indiana University who's visiting Upstate for a lecture. So, some aspects of this precision medicine and psychiatry are already part of your practice, certainly. Um, you're already seeing patients doing doing some of these things that you've described?
1: Partially. With, uh, with for, example, for example, for um, example, um, I'm probably more um, thorough or more sort of cognizant than the average clinician in terms of the need to use questionnaires and uh, apps for um, diagnosing patients. But, My clinical patients don't get, um, you know, sent to the lab for a biomarker lab test yet because these these things are not uh, yet, uh, you know, uh, FDA green-lighted and available for use. Um, So the biomarker um, studies are done in patients that are enrolled in our large research studies and are available to those patients. They're not available to my clinical patients yet because, you know, as one, you know, as it's. You know, the right thing to do is to go through all the um, steps and um, rules and regulations uh, sure. that the FDA has to have something on the market. You can't just sort of think that because you have something scientifically good, immediately you should be offering right. it to get the patient. There are safeguards and necessary steps that we want to follow.
0: So, once, uh, assuming it is, be- does become FDA approved, um, will this be good for patients? Do you think this will be uh, an improvement in the care they receive?
1: I think it will be a significant improvement. It will make their health care better. Uh, It will um, remove some of um, the stigma related to some of these disorders because it's not all in their head. These are biologically-based disorders. It will be obvious uh, on uh, laboratory tests. And um, in addition to that, I think this would lead to significant uh, cost savings for our healthcare system because um, it's, it's very expensive to try different treatments. It's very um, expensive to hospitalize people because they were not properly treated. It didn't prevent acute episodes. And, and frankly, it's, you know, it's very expensive for our general economy to have people who are not functioning at full capacity Um, who are um, you know um, missing work uh, who are Not able to focus and so on and last but not least It's very important for the patient's quality of life to have uh, you know their symptoms uh, Managed to be diagnosed properly earlier and in the end to have a lot of the um, uh, severe manifestations uh, preempted by proper treatment, so they don't end up in acute episodes. They don't end up hospitalized, and don't end up uh, having major impact on
0: their lives. It seems like it'll be good for physicians too uh, in managing their patients, yeah. just to know what's working, like you've said. And
1: I, I think so, Amber. I, uh, it would provi- provide provide that layer of uh, uh, certainty in terms of uh, being able to uh, give. The medications in more targeted fashion to see who's responding to them earlier. Um, and um, as I said, I, I don't think that um, this is something completely revolutionary. It's It might be revolutionary in uh, mental health and psychiatry, but it's already being done in cancer, it's already being done in cardiology, and uh, we're just going to sort of follow similar paradigms and, um, you know, uh, not reinvent the wheel. That mm. being said, you know, mental health um, disorders are very complex. The brain is probably the most complex organ in the body, so we have our work cut out for ourselves.
0: Well, and also, are there fears that um, genetic profiles in the biomarker information, particularly in psychiatry, could end up being misused?
1: Um, there is a... Genetic Information Non Discrimination Act that was passed by Congress um, a couple of administrations ago. Um, I I think that there are safeguards in place um, in terms of um, people um, um, being diagnosed with certain disorders. There's also, as you know, the whole um, HIPAA privacy um, um, structure in place. Um, That being said, you know, the You know, biomarkers and genetic testing and better diagnosis um, per se are are, uh, a positive if they are used in a constructive fashion. And uh, I suppose anything could be misused uh, if you think sort of in a paranoid uh, Orwellian way. Sure. But I don't see that happening.
0: Well, how did you get involved in precision psychiatry?
1: I think the brain is the ultimate frontier, so after I finished my uh, medical school and graduate school, I was contemplating what I want to do in the next uh, 30, 40 years, and um, a lot of the other fields that were exciting to me were already very mature. I was uh, uh, trained uh, scientifically as a cancer molecular biologist, and uh, uh, had I stayed in that field, I would have probably contributed to incremental progress, whereas, Going into um, psychiatry and trying to understand the brain was uh, sort of a wide open territory where I felt I could make a bigger contribution.
0: Well, neat. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us about this.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Amber. <clears throat>
0: My guest has been Dr. Alexander Nicolesco III, a psychiatry professor from Indiana University who is lecturing at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.